Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the philosophy of doing less better. We can kind of agree that high achievers, driven, motivated and success minded individuals typically have a lot on their plate. Often we refer to having many plates spinning because they don't want to be, you know, just great in one area. And you can probably relate and identify with this. You want to be successful, driven and excellent in multiple different domains. In fact, that's the reason why we launched the iPal system inside the Hard to Kill program, because we appreciate, we respect and we cater to the fact that, you know, individuals of that caliber of that psychographic aspire to be great across individual, professional, athletic, and leadership domains. So safe to say, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different demands on our time, our energy, and our responsibilities. There's obviously our professional endeavors. Ordinarily, there's then family too. If there's not, there's at least relationships, girlfriends, wives, so on and so forth. Then there's our training. We like to get in the gym because being in the gym, being robust, being strong, ultimately allows us to build the attributes and ability to demonstrate our passions elsewhere, whether that be in jujitsu, triathlon, ultra endurance, anything else of that caliber and of that nature. And obviously within that bracket, you've also then got tactical athletes who require a level of performance, robustness and resilience to actually do their job safely to the best of their ability to be an asset to their team, not a liability. So even just in that 60 second soundbite, we can see how many moving parts there are. And that's just in me saying it, that's not the actuality of all of the logistical and tactical things that are gonna be going on in a weekly and a daily cadence in that person's life. More often than not, one of the biggest frustrations of guys who reach out to work with us is they literally feel like they're just spinning the wheels because there's so many plates spinning and they feel like they're just waiting for one to drop. But in the past, ultimately, they've always subscribed to this belief or they've always had experience that in order to do better, you must do more. You know, you must wake up earlier to prepare your food. You must stay up later to get that training session in. There must be more X and must must be more Y. And essentially, it becomes the straw that broke the camel's back. They're doing so much already. Essentially, there's no priorities. They're doing X and Y and Z. And on top of that, they've been to coaching programs or development organizations whereby they're then told, okay, now I need to prep six meals per day. Now I need to do this amount of training sessions and I'm going to take two hours per day and you've got to do them six days per week. Or they've done Ironman in the past where, you know, they've got to train 15, 20 hours per week, so on and so forth. Ultimately, the things that used to be effective and gave them a degree of success when they were younger men, sort of late teens, early 20s, are no longer effective and no longer compatible with their current life. Because back then, and I'm going to be really honest, getting in shape was fucking easy. And in fact, for anyone listening to this, just getting in good shape is fucking easy. If it's your only priority and responsibility, whereby you can you know, spend a lot of time ensuring that you're meticulous, you're compliant, and you're accurate with your nutrition, whereby you can spend a couple of hours training fucking most days, five, six days a week, and then you've got perfect sleep. You've got no stress to worry about. You've not got no time constraints owing to your professional responsibilities. It really is so easy. You're essentially, when you're a student or in your early 20s, and your only priority is, you know, kind of doing well at work and getting yourself established there and just being in fucking great shape. It's some of the easiest days of our life. And then as we begin to accrue, the professional responsibilities that we've worked really hard for as people start to get families, as people start to get other ambitions, 
ultimately there are now so many more things to invest our time into and also that withdraw energy from us than simply nailing our diet and training in a certain way. However, that doesn't mean that that belief has died and often that belief is still living with the individual. And often when they've tried on numerous occasions to try and improve their performance across these spheres, improve performance across multiple domains, it just looks like adding more to an already overladen schedule. And I've spoken about this quite a lot in um, prior podcasts, you know, like commission bias, for an example, how we just have this tendency to do more, even though actually doing the same or doing more has no effect or often a detrimental effect. We just tend to add more and do more. So we've now got this individual, potentially even you, but definitely guys that reach out to work with us and with whom we have a great amount of success who reach out to work with us. They're already spinning too many plates and their biggest frustration is that they've tried a lot of things. They've tried everything that worked when they were in their early 20s. They've tried other coaching programs. They've tried, you know, just adding in more training, adding in more cardio. They've tried adding in more complexity to their diet to make sure that's sustainable, so on and so forth. That's their biggest frustration. And they reach out to us and I can tell there's almost a degree of, of trepidation and fear because they're like, I just, I can't add any more. I, I can't add any more. And what that sounds like, how that is communicated and how that's transmitted to us is always just uh, how much time am I looking to commit to this? Like, I'm not quite sure if I've got the time right now. Like, I'm not really sure to which we respond. Look, I can't actually remember. And this is truthful. This is authentic. This is absolute truth. And any clients in, in the Hard to Kill program will verify this for you. I can't actually remember the last time I asked one of our clients to do more. I cannot remember the last time I mandated there must be more from you. Every single time it's okay, we need to prioritize because there's too much here. And what we actually need to do is less better. Now that conversation in itself strikes fear into so, so many high performers and high achievers because societally we've been indoctrinated. We had it ingrained and stamped upon us that to do is good, to not do is by default bad. To not be busy all the time means you're fucking lazy. To not be always working on something, to be sat still, dare we say it, to have a lay-in, to have half a day off, <laughs> to, to have white space and relax is the antithesis of high performance and production because you know you've got these fucking absolute shit biscuits on social media proclaiming that you know you've got to get up at 5 a.m and fucking stay hard and who's going to carry the boats and all this fucking shit and then you've got guys who are literally driven so insane by sitting still that they will get up at 3 a.m and carry a fucking rock up a mountain just because they dance it still with themselves like this is in, in indoctrinating us and we're absorbing this at all times and we believe that we're supposed to be doing something like that when actually if we zoom out and look at the level of responsibilities that you have the vision you have for yourself none of those things are necessary none of those things are complicit none of those things are even fucking sensible for anybody to be doing unless you're being driven by something other than a, than a real um, intrinsic want for high performance but we don't need to do those things right? You do not need to be doing those things. What we actually need to do is understand the input output equation. And I'm being relatively reductionist here, but it really can be that fucking simple. When you understand the input output equation, from that you're then able to create priorities because you know if I pull that lever, I can expect that outcome. You can then also begin to expand upon the education. If I pull that lever, I get that outcome. And what's that beneficial to? Well, it positively impacts a and B, but I also get third factor on C. Okay, fantastic. So now if I need something else to affect C, I don't have to pull like another big lever because I've already got half of that. So let's talk in more realistic terms. Let's talk in strength and conditioning, for example. So many people have the belief that, you know, that you have to kind of train like a bodybuilder and also train like a marathon runner. And you kind of just smash those two programs together and that's going to make you a quote unquote hybrid athlete, right? 
correct? No, because what that person then has to do is say, okay, I want more musculature. I want hypertrophy and I want to be strong. Okay, so now I need like my compound lifts because I want to be really strong. Okay, let's do that. But I also want to be a good runner. So I need like some, some plyometric work. Okay, so we've got plyometric work now too. But I also want to be like big. I want to be kind of jacked too. Okay, so now I've got some hypertrophy work. Like, I don't want to get injured and I kind of want to have good balance and you know, I, I want to make sure I'm a good runner. Okay, so now I've got also some accessory work. So now we've got like roughly a two hour session that we're looking at. Uh, I also need to be fit. Okay, cool. So now we've got like what, maybe three, four runs a week. I also want to be faster. Okay, so now we're going to add some speed sessions to that as well. Uh, I also want to be able to run an ultramarathon. Okay, so now we're looking at some real long zone two, zone three sort of stuff. Okay, cool. You've just created a training program that is A, unsustainable, B, fucking ridiculous, and C, is going to take you a minimum of 15 to 20 hours every week. Have you got 15 to 20 hours a week? The answer is, of course, no, because that person has not yet understood input output and when we understand training effect when we understand transferability we're then able to again with first principle reasoning begin to build a program up looking at well what are the actual attributes that we want to demonstrate here what is it we're building and this is where we're specialists my team and i are strength conditioning coaches this is what we do in the first week that any client joins in the hard to kill program and this is just talking about physiology this is just talking about strength and conditioning i'm going to use other examples here in a more holistic setting for in a moment but we're going to assess that individual so what are their actual goals and where are they currently so this person you know is a high performing business owner wants to run his first 50k ultra marathon and also maintain and build strength okay fantastic so how much time have we got to play with what does his lifestyle look like what, what are the other holistic elements of stress okay so he's got one two-year-old child and he's got another child that's due to be born in two months okay cool so we can anticipate some sleep disruption disturbance that's got to be factored into his allostatic load what's his work like um he's expanding his company just hired two new people okay cool so there's allostatic load we need to be aware of there as well how many hours is that going to take up what is his week now look like okay cool now i can begin to regage his recoverability we don't just fucking slap that person with oh here you go here's 20 hours of training a week you got some big compound lifts in there buddy so kiss goodbye to your lower back you're also going to be doing sprints every other day and on sunday i hope you don't like your wife because you're gonna be out running for five hours like it's fucking ridiculous we do not need to be doing more we need to be doing less better now obviously i'm being somewhat facetious there in order to communicate the point but it's actually less funny when you realize we hear that kind of stuff time and time and time and time again and you might even be guilty of something like a scaled version of that so instead as i said we've got to glean the data from that and say look well what is it we really really need and let's look at input output so yeah we know we need more unilateral lower limb strength we know movement fidelity and postural integrity is a bit of a challenge because he's spending a lot of time in the office he's not trained properly and with intense intensity you know for a good number of years so there's going to be a little bit of dysfunction posture needs a little bit of work uh hips are going to be super tight all that kind of stuff but we begin to build in a training program whereby in you know in maybe two if not three sessions per week we're looking at, okay how can we begin to open him up how can we get him out of this really flexed position and start training and creating strength and length because not only is that going to improve his uh, global global movement capacity and, and his actual core strength is going to reduce his injury risk and um, it's also going to create a really fantastic warm-up for that session which reduces and condenses session length it's going to be a great primer to get him in for maybe one compound lift if he even needs to be doing a compound lift you know that many runners that i see really don't need to be doing heavy deadlifts and heavy, heavy squats it's really not actually transferable to their, their overall outcome so what strength lifts do we need to be doing and how much volume what's the minimum effective dose we can get away with there is there a way that in which we can actually factor in like modified strongman training or power endurance circuits into the end of their session and begin to, to really bolt those in therefore they don't have the necessity to be doing tons of really gassy speed work they can then just look at accruing the necessary volume of zone two and zone three aerobic capacity work over the course of a week so we can truncate their session to get more bang for buck because we understand input 
output. We understand the first, second, and third order effect when we pull that lever. And that's just in a physiological setting, okay? That's from a strength and conditioning perspective. Now, if we zoom out and we look at it as a more holistic perspective, this person wants to be a better leader at work. Well, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of books that are there about leadership. There's so many dry and self-indulgent books that, if I'm honest, have kind of like 10 pages total value. The remainder was just an obligation to the publishing house to ensure that book actually went to print. Now, they can absolutely go through and read all of those things, but often they already have and it hasn't given the solution that they want. So we've got two options. We can pull one lever and say, we'll go and read a ton of books, but the output we're getting is gonna take hours, weeks, months, and it's actually not valuable to that person whatsoever. So instead we can then begin to refine, well, what is the actual problem that we're seeing? Okay, we've got absenteeism at work. Okay, fantastic. Why do you perceive that is? Well, they seem like they're not really happy they don't wanna be there. Okay, cool. Why do you think they don't wanna be there? Um, I don't know, there's not really much of a culture, like people don't really get on very well. Okay, why do you think there's not much of a culture? Then we can get to the bottom of it and say, the actual problem is there was no real culture at the work workplace because maybe we weren't turning up as a leader and someone who was happy to communicate, ask questions about people's lives, demonstrate how to communicate, demonstrate how to help, how to go the extra mile. And why weren't we doing that? Because we were tired, we were overworked, undertrained, eating garbage food, not sleeping enough, highly stressed, not regulating it, not communicating properly. Okay, cool. So unfortunately, the responsibility is on you. So now we have to look at making you a more energized, productive, fulfilled human. And that's very easy because we're going to take control of your SNT. So we take control of your SNT, pull that lever, we get a more energized human. Fantastic. We take our nutrition, boom, we get a more energized person. And then lastly, it's like someone who can communicate. Okay, cool. So we're going to teach you how to communicate. Then you're going to go into work and actually get to know your employees. You're going to talk to them about what their inherent interests are, not because you want them to do more, but because you want them to feel safe, secure, and trusted. And as I've spoken about in previous episodes on leadership, if we make people feel safe and secure and they know there's no threat within, then they're going to want to be in that environment because that environment makes them feel safe. They know that people there care for them, they look, they look out for them. And as a result, your absenteeism has gone away. So instead of having to go on all these leadership courses, instead of having to read all these books on leadership doctrine and, and really scratch our head and then get pissed off at our employees and start to want to fire people and we've got really high staff churn and getting new people in, we can just understand input output and ultimately it was a leadership issue. So we look there, we pull that lever and we get the outcome. This is a, an example of how we can actually do less better. And that was just two rudimentary fundamental examples. Now I could go on all day and I could create other examples of how actually we can chop stuff away in order to be really effective at what we are doing and we get better outcomes. But once we understand input output, there's then another problem, another challenge that we're gonna have to face. And that is where does the energy come from to keep pulling the lever? Because you know those who do understand input output and a great many, who apply to work with us and who speak to us do understand they have no motivation, they have no discipline, they have no drive to actually want to pull that fucking lever in the first place. So a great example is you watching this and most people inherently understand and know good from bad in a nutritional sense, right? If I put a Domino's pizza in front of you or a ton of Krispy Kreme fucking donuts or just any any sort of shit, really. I say shit, um, I don't want to attach moral value to food, but you know, foods that we know are highly processed, not that nutritionally dense and are going to make you eventually overweight if you consume too much of them. If I put that in front of you and then we have foods that are you know i'm not talking fish and a rice cake here but i'm literally talking maybe like fucking you know whatever it is that you enjoy to eat that's not uh, processed foods so for me quite frequently I, I like smashed avocado and scrambled eggs with a little bit of smoked salmon like i fucking really enjoy that we inherently know you would inherently know which one is the better option right cool so you understand input equation if i pull the lever of pizza and junk food the output i get is i get i get fucking fat and i feel like shit i have no energy i wake up feeling hungover lethargia and essentially you know beating myself up because i made a 
shitty decision. Whereas if I eat this thing, implant the meal that you would really enjoy to eat here that you know is relatively quote unquote good for you. If you pull this lever, typically energy is gonna be high and sustainable. You feel good because you've just actually created evidence that you make good decisions when it comes to food. You feel energized because of the bioavailability of that food and the micronutrient profile, etc., so on and so forth. So why don't we pull that lever? Why do we pull the wrong lever? Because ultimately the second most important thing about doing less better is you need the fuel to pull the right lever. And the fuel is ultimately the motivation. Now motivation can come from two areas. If we want to call it light and dark from a spiritual perspective, we can call it that. If we want to call it pain or pleasure, we can do that. If we want to call it um, avoidance and attraction, we can call it that. But ultimately it equates to the same thing. Now there was a really good experiment done here that was brought to light by famous Jordan Peterson, whereby they put a rat inside a tunnel, right? And they put this rat in the tunnel and it had like a spring attached to its tail. And that spring could basically determine and decipher how much force that rat was pulling with. So you've got this rat in a tube, it's got pressure sensor, like a pull sensor on its tail, and they, they dangled cheese in front of that pipe and this, the rat could smell it and it started pulling. For argument's sake, let's, let's say it pulled with 50 units of force, like it's 50 arbitrary units of force, the rat really wanna get after that. So there was a small amount of motivation for it to go towards that. Then the second thing they did was they kept the cheese there and they put a fucking cat behind this tube. It couldn't get the rat, but they made sure the rat knew it was there, it could smell it was there and it identified there was a predator behind it. Now that arbitrary unit fucking tripled, okay? Now all of a sudden that rat not only has something it's attracted towards, a vision that it wants to get after because cheese is really nice and it wants that. It also has a, a really visible, evident, palpable fucking reason why it should not coast and why it should get the fuck out of there. The exact same is true for you. So when you understand input output, you then need to create something like fuel as to why you should pull that lever. And this can be a whole host of different things. For many people, the cheese is a goal, okay? The cheese is, okay, I wanna run by first 100K. I wanna feel this way. I wanna achieve this vision, whether it's a promotion or buying a certain house or achieving a certain status or getting the girl or, you know, you can implant anything into that equation. What many fail to do is really look at the severity of the situation they're currently in. Because we know that all systems without a feedback loop, i.e. you, or any, any complex adaptive system, any human without a feedback loop will always drift to, to its decrement, okay? It will always like, it will always see a decrease in performance, like 1% by 1% by 1% by 1%. It's the same as that analogy if you put a frog in boiling water. If you chuck it straight in boiling water, it's like, holy fuck, this is hot and it jumps out. If you raise it one degree at a time, it doesn't actually know, it doesn't actually notice until essentially it just it succumbs to the heat and dies and then you boil the fucking thing alive. The exact same is true of most people's performance. Like as a general law, we're gonna see the system drift. The things are getting 1% worse and 1% worse and 1% worse and 1% worse. And as I've discussed in previous podcasts, like the ego has a real part to play here. And the ego's like, nah, we're fine. You good do not ever admit you need help do not ever admit you have not th got things covered down because ultimately that is a harm to your self-esteem harm to your biological fitness and you're a fuck up you should know how to deal with this so don't you fucking dare ask for help so then we get this, this this fucking rat in there that is not really motivated to move and that could even be you so you have to actually look and be really honest with yourself about the current situation and you have to hold up a mirror and say is this really what i want is this really where i want to be is this really what i want to call my life or am i prepared to change this now sometimes that's easier than others like there's been times in my past where you know Financially, in you know the first couple of years of starting a business nearly a decade ago, I was in a not good situation. So you had no choice. The, the pain was very obvious. The reason you needed to get up and do the work was very, very fucking obvious. Then as any business owner will know, you get to a point where you're kind of like, all right, that pain is now gone. Like, what's my reason to keep growing, to keep growing, striving and evolving and working with more people and having greater impacts and turning up and pushing myself? Well, ultimately that's the cheese piece. But to get started, I needed the cat. I've been in times in my life when I've been out of shape, you know, when I had glandular fever after I came back from Africa, probably six years 
years ago, it was exactly the same. Like I couldn't train for months. Uh, I was I was fucking weak. I was out of shape. I was unfit. And it was a very obvious pain. Like I, I really have to do something about this because I don't want to look, I don't want to be this guy. I want to have, I want to have a physique that represents, I do what I said I would do, that I am strong, fit and robust and resilient. I want to train in a way that creates that. And I believe that form follows function. And if I'm strong and I'm fast and I'm athletic and I'm healthy, then my body's going to be representative of that. So that was my obvious reason. There's going to be time that it's very obvious and evident. There's also going to be time that it's not as obvious and it's not as evident where you think, oh, things are kind of good right now. Like things are kind of easy. Like I've got an okay relationship, pretty happy with my house, car's pretty good, good job. I'm not in bad shape. And then it, it can kind of be harder to, to manufacture that pain. And I'm not suggesting that we always ought to. And in times like that, that's when we may use the vision piece more, but it is really, really important to look at, well, there's a reason why I shouldn't get complacent here. And what is the future cost of complacency? Because I see complacency kill so many people's dreams, ambitions, and the success because they kind of get far enough away from the pain. They forget what that feels like. They forget what it feels like to be unsuccessful, out of shape, and ultimately unhappy and unfulfilled. So they just stop doing the things that created wealth, health, happiness, and success. They just stop doing it. They straight up start doing it. Remember that you reap what you sow. You know, if you're enjoying good times right now, it's because sometime in, you know, the in the in the near distant past you had worked hard you'd created change you'd done a thing you'd behaved in a way and ultimately you'd behaved your way onto and above the green line if you stop behaving in that way then ultimately the lag indicator you know in three six twelve months will be that green line has gone into a red line it's, 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 it's decrementally decreased at an accelerated rate touching on system drift it's going to happen so sometimes just zooming out and looking at well what are the behaviors conducive with my future success and what happens if i don't do those and just manufacturing a reason as to why i need to do it and it doesn't even necessarily have to be for you in fact the more external reasons you have, the more powerful that's going to be. So if you're a father and you've gotten yourself in good shape and you're starting to see consistency with your training slip and you're starting to eat more shit and you're like, fucking hell, I can put on like five pounds in the past two weeks. Well, I want to have a real cold, hard look and say, well, if this continues, if I continue to behave in that way and make those decisions, like what are my children going to think when, you know, if I continue along this vein, in a year, I'm 20, 25 pounds heavier and I literally can't run up the stairs after them without having a minor cardiac episode at the top of the staircase, you know? I'm going to get knee pain, back pain, all that sort of stuff. And I'm deliberately kind of creating a very uh, vivid representation because it's it's for the point of, of communicating this with you through social media channels. So there's not really that much room for nuance. It has to be relatively black and white. But uh, hopefully you're, you're understanding what I'm picking up there is that, you know, you have to be aware of complacency and be always very aware of the cost of an action because that's what's going to allow you the motivation, the drive and the fuel to pull the fucking lever. So revisiting this as a concept, we've begun talking about doing less better rather than just adding more. And we understood that the reason most people feel they need to do more in order to achieve greater is because that's what we societally have been indoctrinated to believe and, and we had that experience when we were younger men that if you do more and you achieve more then ultimately that's the only way to get a better outcome but that belief system leads us to spinning so many plates feeling totally overwhelmed like we can't and shouldn't ask for help and as a result we feel so frustrated that this is as good as we can have it right now and we feel just afraid that we're never going to get any better that we're going to die that we're going to get to that point on deathbeds where we never achieved we never became we never did all the things we wanted to or deserve to because we tried everything and none of it fucking worked and that becomes a real a real deep fear for us but actually what i'm here to do through the course of this podcast and what i have uh, hopefully demonstrated to you is that that belief system is what's at fault here when we analyze and synthesize we've laid out the belief systems at play we've analyzed that there's one dysfunctional line of code which is doing more creates better which is not true that actually if we understand how to do less better you become more productive 
you become more fulfilled and ultimately you are able to to create more success happiness and all of the outcomes that essentially want and complicit in that is simply a case of understanding the input output that if we understand what we need to do and what change that creates then we can create priorities and once we have priorities we can then create something like a plan and we can it can become phasic and periodized and we can at assign and attach way markers to that and kpis and performance metrics and ultimately we can then metric and we can measure our success and that's so much of what the coaching process is whether we're talking about improvements in psychological resilience which is something that we can actually uh, measure metric and monitor inside the hard skill program but it's strength vo2 max fucking lactate threshold any of these things we can actually metric or actually subjectively like levels of happiness levels of fulfillment how how many hours are we spending in flow state per day uh, how many hours are we able to take off per week how much time are we spending with our children always going to be ways to metric that and then we can look at well when we do these things like when i pull this lever i plan my week effectively every sunday the output i get is I have more free time, I feel less stressed, my week runs smoother, I get more time with my children, my training is uninterrupted, I'm a better human. Okay, fantastic. Replicate that 52 times and I guarantee you're a new fucking human. I guarantee it because you understand input, output, and then the fuel there is simple. If I do this, I, I'm going to be the man that I aspire to be. I'm going to be the leader, father figure, athlete, individual, and professional I want to be. And if I don't, well, I know that when I don't plan my week every Sunday evening, for an example, I wake up feeling anxious because it's uncertain. I don't know what's coming for me. I feel ambushed. I feel volatile. I feel like I'm always rushing. I find it hard to be productive because I'm I'm task switching from thing to thing to thing to thing. I have a to-do list as long as my fucking arm and my to-do list has a subset of to-do lists. I end up compressing the amount of time I can train so I don't end up training. I'm short-tempered, frustrated, and, uh, and snappy and irritable at home, which doesn't make for a good relationship with my kids. My wife picks up on that and she gives me shit as well date nights cancelled because i worked late and i actually want to catch up on training so we understand the very real impact of not doing it and therefore we've got the fuel to pull the lever so from top down hopefully you understand how powerful and potent it can be to do less better you simply have to understand input output and create the fuel and motivation pull those levers and know that if you do that you can confidently look yourself in the mirror and ask if i performed and behaved in this way every day for the next 365 days would i be closer or further away from the man i want to become and it's, it's really quite easy. You're going to understand that input-output equation. So hopefully that's been helpful to you. Hopefully that's dispelled a few uh, myths and a few stubborn beliefs that I'm trying to overturn and dispel uh, in this self-development and, and professional in, uh, industry. Uh, I would love to hear the feedback though. I'd love to hear if you've got any comments, questions, any feedback, anything that's that's contrary to what I've said or you know, if it's been positive, impactful and beneficial to you, then I would genuinely love to hear it. Until next time, see you soon.